Heavenly Father, merciful God, you do lead us on. I pray that you would lead us on through your word this morning. Fill us with your love, your grace, your mercy, so that we may love Christ evermore and follow him evermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week was a little bit of an intense message because it was about the power of Jesus over everything, including demons. It was intense because it really brings forth the reality of the spiritual battle that we face in this day and age. And it also brings forth the power of Jesus over everything. And by the way, if you were here last week, you know we had a little bit of a skirmish, so to speak, a little bit, a little mini war that uh, one of the demons decided to play with because the video camera for the pulpit for the sermon was working fine the day before, all the tests. It was working fine the morning of, right up until announcements. And then for some reason, it stopped communicating with the laptop for live streaming. But thankfully, we actually had two people last week. It wasn't planned. And so everything went, still got out. Amen? And the sermon itself was then recorded and posted without issue. So I'm very thankful for that. But it really brings to mind the spiritual battle and the power of Jesus. You know, the reality of who Jesus is. And I think that's really the crux of the matter, isn't it? Who is Jesus? There are a lot of people who say, well, I know Jesus, I follow Jesus, or I've gone to church all my life, so I must know Jesus. But they really don't. And this is not surprising, by the way, this is not surprising because even the disciples had trouble understanding who Jesus was, who Jesus is. So just before our account here of Bartimaeus and being healed, there's an account where James and John go to Jesus. And this account is covered not only in Mark, but Matthew and Luke. So it's covered in three of the Gospels. And this is what John and James did. And John and James, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Look, they've been with him for three years, right? And they still really didn't know who Jesus was and why he came. And so they wanted something that lifted them up, that lifted up them in their glory, so to speak. And the other disciples, they were, um, they were upset, let's just put it mildly, with James and John. Now, there's a question that Jesus asked them, though. He asked them, what do you want me to do for you? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because it's actually going to come up in our message today in the account from Mark, that same question, what do you want me to do for you? 
So right now, this very moment, this very day, for you here, for those who are worshiping at home, you stand in the presence of Jesus, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? How would you respond? What would your heart be like? Think about that as we go through this particular message. The message structure is actually pretty straightforward. A blind beggar begs for mercy and is answered by Jesus, who through faith gave him sight. Pretty straightforward. Let's go with our text. The blind beggar who cries for mercy. Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, starting with verse 46. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now Jericho is about 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem. And Jericho is about 3,300 feet lower in elevation than Jerusalem. So if you would go up to Jerusalem or down to Jericho, it actually made a whole lot of sense. Now Jericho was this wonderful city. It had a a copious spring called the Fountain of Elisha. It had wonderful commerce. It was known for its palm trees and palm branches. It had this rose garden. And it, and it was like Fountain Hills today. It was warm in the wintertime. So it was this wonderful, beautiful city. Now, on this particular day, there were a lot of rabbis, Levitical priests, and others who were going up to Jerusalem because it was to be the Feast of Passover. And rabbis, as they traveled, would often have an entourage, right? Some men who would follow them along the way, and they would teach their disciples as they went. So it's actually pretty common for Jesus, as he traveled, to have a group. But it was very uncommon to have a great crowd that was there. So that's kind of the setting. And in this setting, we find Bartimaeus. Now, this is interesting that we actually know his name. He is the only person who is healed by Jesus that is called out by name in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Really, he's the only one who's called out by name. And not only that, we know his father's name. And by the way, Bar means son. So he would have been the son of of Timaeus. Uh, By the way, Norwegians do that all the time. Johnson, Larson, Robertson, right? So you're actually familiar with it. But he would have been named, and uh, his father was named too. Why? Why would the Gospels not call out anybody else but Bartimaeus? As a matter of fact, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew says there were two blind beggars. Here the focus in Mark is just on one, but Matthew doesn't even give him a name. But Mark, it's important. The understanding would be that Bartimaeus would have been known in the early Christian church. People would have known him, and thus, when Bartimaeus was written about, it gives a truthfulness, a veracity, something they could have checked 
to see did that actually happen. And Bartimaeus, with no pun intended, became a literal eyewitness, didn't he? I know, no pun intended, but it's still there. So, just these little details add to the whole picture here. Now, Bartimaeus itself, this is probably a pretty ordinary day for him. He was blind and a beggar. Blindness often leading to begging. His condition was a very poor, poor state. He would have literally had to beg for the food, for any money, for any shelter, for any clothing, anything to be able to live. And he would have been, in the eyes of everybody else, he would have been both minimalized and marginalized. That was his sorry condition. Now, on this particular day, with all the crowds and everything, it was a bustling day. It would be a good day for begging. So he would have positioned himself along the roadside or maybe by a gate to be able to call out for more people than than often he had. But on this day, there was some excitement in the air, something different. There was this rabbi, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Jericho, the city of Jericho, and a lot of people in Jericho would have known about Jesus. Not long before it, in the Gospel of John, Lazarus was raised from the dead. I mean, this would have caused a big stir. People would have known who he was. So he's going through the crowd, and people are murmuring. They're talking about him. They're saying, Jesus of Nazareth. And Bartimaeus hears that. And his heart is filled with something. I mean, if you were in his condition, his state, and you heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming by, what would you call out? Really, what would you call out? Because Bartimaeus called out something that we wouldn't expect, nor did the crowd expect. He said this, he began to cry out saying, Jesus, son of David, Have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David. That is both his name and a title. And names, as we talked about on Wednesday Lenten service, are very important. So we talked about this on last Wednesday night, that Jesus' name actually means Yahweh saves, or I am saves. And if you want, go to Exodus Chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, and you'll find the reference for that. So calling out Jesus by name is important, but then he also calls out Son of David. This was definitely a messianic title, Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One, or as we would say, the Christ, Jesus, Son of David. Now, where do we find that in Scripture? Well, we actually find the promise of the Messiah coming from the line of David. 2 Samuel chapter 7, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. But then Also, listen, this is echoed in our reading from Psalm 89. 
I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. By the way, that would be a song, a psalm that Bartimaeus would have sang after his healing. Verse 2 says, For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. So we can actually find this promise also in Luke. Now, this is pretty interesting because in Matthew's account, the term son of David had not been used before. So here, it's new. And Jesus had never in any formal way publicly announced that he was the Messiah. The only time he actually acknowledged it was with a woman at the well, and it was done privately with her, that she was the Messiah. As a matter of fact, even in an earlier account of Jesus healing two other blind men, they had cried out, Son of David. He healed them, and he told them, don't tell anyone. So that Jesus would stop and acknowledge this man who was calling him Son of David was a very important aspect. So, he calls out Jesus, son of David, by name and by title. And then what does he cry? He cries for mercy. Have mercy on me. Jesus, have compassion. Have pity upon me. Bartimaeus knew he was in a wretched state. He knew who he was, and he knew who Jesus was. He did not yell out for power. He did not yell out for glory. He did not yell out to be lifted up high, sitting on his right side. He yelled out. He cried out for mercy, and he meant it. It wasn't just an empty phrase for him, have mercy on me. Mercy is an essential attribute, essential characteristic of God. And at the heart of God's mercy is his loving kindness, his steadfast love, his forgiveness of sin. Again, go back to Exodus. There's a reason why, by the way, we're doing Exodus as part of our Lenten series. Go back to Exodus chapter 34. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. Then go to Ephesians. If you want to find out what our state was before Christ Jesus, it is this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, 
made us alive together with Christ. Mercy. Mercy is the cry of the one who knows they have been brought low. Mercy is the cry of the one who is in despair. Mercy is the cry of the one who knows they do not deserve mercy. Mercy is the cry of the lost. Mercy is the cry of the blind. Mercy is the cry of those who are in darkness. Lord, have mercy on me. Hear my prayer. Hear my cry. This is what Bartimaeus was doing. He was crying out to the Lord, have mercy on me. But what did the crowd do? The crowd rebuked him, didn't they? And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Look, the Lord does not want you to, the the world, the world does not want you to call out the Lord's name. The world would rather have you be silent, to suffer in silence, rather than publicly proclaim Jesus, to publicly ask and pray for his mercy. Oh sure, you can ask the Lord for mercy in your home, in private, but don't dare do it out in public. You see, the crowd nowadays with Bartimaeus was very similar to what we have nowadays. There's a hostility. But do not listen to the world. Cry out to Jesus. Cry out quietly. Cry out privately. Cry out publicly for His mercy. There's a song by Third Day. Cry out to Jesus. I almost thought about reading the whole song to you. It's just this beautiful song. Here's the verse. There is hope for the hopeless, helpless, rest for the weary, love for the broken heart. There is grace and forgiveness, mercy and healing. He'll meet you wherever you are. Cry out to Jesus. And so you and I are to cry out, Lord, have mercy on us. You know, we say that in the prayers each and every, every week, right? And it's easy to become rote in it. Lord, have mercy. And do not be silenced. Bartimaeus cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And in mercy, Jesus answered him. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man and saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Think about this. Think deeply about this. Jesus. Jesus is going up to Jerusalem and he knows that he will be crucified. In just a few short days, really, he will be crucified. And the weight and anguish that he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, I'm sure, was on his shoulders then as well. But he stopped, didn't he? He stopped for Bartimaeus. He stopped because of love and mercy. 
out of love and mercy for this man, Jesus stopped to call to him. I have to tell you, as I was working on this, thinking deeply about this, I, I sobbed. I did, I sobbed. Knowing of the great mercy that God has for us in Christ Jesus. And I have to tell you, when God reveals the depth and breadth of his love for you, you sob because it's so great. Jesus, in his great love and mercy, stopped for this one man. And Bartimaeus says he was overwhelmed. It says he threw off his cloak. This, by the way, would have been one of his much-needed possessions, his cloak, even though it was dirty, even though it was probably greasy, even though it was probably torn. It was a cloak that kept him warm at night, that protected him, that maybe even gave him a sense of security. But he threw off maybe one of his most precious possessions. He threw it off because Christ Jesus was more precious. And Jesus asked him that one question. What do you want me to do for you? Now, did Jesus already know what Bartimaeus wanted? Yeah, he would have known already what Bartimaeus wanted. So why did he ask? It is because God wants us to ask by faith, not by sight. By faith, we come to Jesus. And Bartimaeus asked one thing, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Now, our translation here says, Rabbi, the actual word is Rabboni, Rabboni. Rabboni, it's only used another time in the Gospel of John, where Jesus, where Jesus met Mary at the tomb after he was resurrected. She turned to him and said in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. But it's actually more emphatic than just teacher. In fact, Matthew and Luke have Bartimaeus saying, Lord. Bartimaeus knew who was before him. And through faith, Jesus healed him, gave him sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, we need to be really careful how we read this particular phrase, your faith has made you well. We've, I've covered this before many times, many ways. It bears repeating again and again. It was not the man's faith that actually made him well. It was the object of his faith that made him well. It was Jesus who made him well. For if a man has faith in his own faith, he has no power whatsoever. It's only faith in the one who has the power, the authority, the majesty, the ability to heal, to make you well. And it's only faith in Jesus in which you are made well. And this is very different. What happened with Bartimaeus is very different 
than so many faith healers nowadays. Nowadays, right? There's a big crowd, auditorium, everybody's on display, come up, heal you, and people often faint, right? Wave the hand, blow on somebody, and they just faint, and all, all of that stuff. None of that here. None of that here. With just a word, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. You see, what did Bartimaeus know? He knew that he was a beggar before the Lord, not just before Jesus, but before the Lord. And the truth is, you and I are all beggars before him. There's nothing we can do to get, there's nothing we can give him. There's nothing we can do for him that will somehow help out Jesus, somehow help out God, as if God has a deficiency of some sort. We can't add to his holiness, his power, his righteousness, nothing. We can't even come and brag about our faith because even our faith is a gift. We can't say, oh, Jesus, look how much I have faith in you. I know you will heal. That wasn't Bartimaeus at all, right? He was a beggar. He, He came with empty hands before the Lord. And says, all I have is my faith, my trust in you. And when we take the Lord's Supper, we come as beggars before the Lord, don't we? We do. Saying, I'm bringing nothing here. By faith, I'm simply receiving your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness of sin. Bartimaeus knew this. We also should know that we are beggars before the Lord. So it says, by the way, our translation says, your faith has made you well. You know what? In a more literal sense, it means that he was saved. Your faith has saved you. So it isn't just the physical restoration for Bartimaeus. It is the spiritual, the eternal salvation he has in Christ Jesus. Now, this particular Bible stopped a little bit short uh, in the translation. I want to give you what we have here. It says, And immediately he recovered his sight, and followed him on the way to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Okay? So, immediately, not just a little bit later, not at home, immediately his sight was restored. I don't know if you've ever watched videos of people who have been colorblind, and now they can see in color and how overwhelmed and overjoyed they are, there was the joy of the Lord in Bartimaeus. I guarantee you this. Every single week, you see that particular side, right? It's from Nehemiah. And maybe I'll give you a quiz another week. I'll ask you, what chapter verse is that from? Nehemiah, and it is, right? Chapter 8, verse 10. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Bartimaeus had literally the joy of the Lord 
having recovered his sight. And he went and he told everybody about it. The capitalist, 10 different cities. He was going around being truly now an eyewitness to what the Lord had done. See, if you've got the joy of the Lord, don't hold it in. Let it out. Don't hold it in. You ever watch somebody who sneezes? You ever watch somebody who tries to hold their sneeze? They go, I expect their ears like a cartoon go boom, you know? But don't you want to say, well, don't do that. It's probably bad for you. Look, if you've got the joy of the Lord, don't hold it in. Let it out. <laughs> Be like Bartimaeus. Tell other people of the great love, the great mercy that has been given to you. And so now Bartimaeus is no longer on the roadside. He's on the way with Jesus. And if you know any church history, the Christians were first called followers of the way. So now he became truly a follower of Christ Jesus, telling the story. Can you imagine Bartimaeus, a very, very old man with grandchildren and everything else? Let me tell you a story. Oh, Grandpa, we heard that again. I don't care. I'm going to tell it again. I'm going to tell it over and over because I love to tell what Christ Jesus has done for me. This is a wonderful account of God's grace and mercy and the joy of healing and being restored. So for you this particular week, as a beggar, because I know not everybody might be in a joyful state right now, but as a beggar before the Lord, cry out to Jesus. He'll hear. Cry out to him. And when he asks, when he calls you and asks, what do you want of me? Answer by faith in him. And then as we talked about last week, this week holds, go home and tell your friends how much the Lord has done for you, how he has had mercy on you. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. 